Hello and welcome to the Can We Ask You This podcast. My name is Rosalind. My name is Corey. Today on the podcast, we have Brett joining us. This is a really good interview. Brett is someone who has struggled with sexual addiction, including pornography, for years. And he's sharing his story of bringing that to the light, how it impacted his marriage. He had his life, what he thought, pretty much put together. And then this came to the light. And from an outside perspective, it sounds like it unraveled. And I think his story is really powerful because he talks about what it was like to be in the throes of addiction. And I think a lot of people can relate to that because he's someone who looked like he had it all together. And as it turns out, he did not. Yeah, I really loved, obviously, his openness and honesty with Mm -hmm. his addiction, but also with his healing journey. Yeah. I I really appreciated some of the practical stuff that he shared and just his openness and honest with, obviously, it's geared towards pornography addiction, but I think the tools really can apply to addiction in general. Yeah, hearing his story, I mean, everything didn't turn out perfectly, but I still love there's hope in the midst of the struggle that he's processed over the years yeah and I think one of the things that sticks with me is that he is so vulnerable and so open about his addiction because I think our society our culture we don't especially guys don't want to talk about it and so I hope that as you listen to this story if you are battling addiction or maybe you just feel like you like something more than you should reach out for help it is good so listen to the story be inspired by Brett and don't be afraid to reach out for help we'll put the ways uh, in the show notes that you can always reach out Let's jump in. Well, Brett, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. Uh, I would love for you just to tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, where you grew up, family work, whatever you'd like. The the time is yours. So absolutely. First off, it's my pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. Um, I love talking. So being on a podcast is exactly where I should be. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Let's get the quick nitty gritties out of the way. My name is Brett. I'm 37 years old, father of two, uh, divorced, which matters for my story. I was born and raised in small town, Alberta, east central Alberta, small town, graduated with 13 kids, like just to give perspective what small means. Went to engineering school, U of A in Edmonton, worked out in the field, Drayton Valley, Grand Prairie, come down here, lived in Cochrane for a long while, and now I live in Calgary proper. I work downtown as an oil and gas engineer. I love getting out hiking. I do a bit of jujitsu, enjoy cooking, smoking, barbecue. So I'm pretty much your well-rounded average guy. <laughs> Burton. Oh, yeah, 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 Alberta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about life before you met Jesus and maybe how you met Jesus? Mm, absolutely. So I grew up in church, but it wasn't relationship-based. It was rule-based. It was that attend because your mom wants you to attend. Mm -hmm. Uh, My grandparents invited me when I was six years old, and I just started at that age and continued on until I was 17. God blessed me in that, in that there was a lot of knowledge that got placed in, but not a lot of wisdom, uh, Mm -hmm. in that it hadn't made it to my heart. I hadn't stepped into relationship. I was just going through the motions. So when I turned 18, uh, the call of the party crowd and the cool crowd and being accepted by by my peers really grabbed hold. And so from 18 through university uh, until I was 34, I really lived of the world. And, and by the same standards that they did, I mean, I had a good moral upbringing and thought that was enough, but it really wasn't. And so at 34, my marriage started to see a lot of stress and cracks became very prevalent. Uh, I'm not gonna say it was healthy before that, but I could only say that now looking back. Mm -hmm. And so as those cracks came out, you know, within three or four months, I started to realize like, holy smokes, I don't have it. Like I thought I had control of my life. And, and as like three or four months of this trouble, um, a big part of my life, my marriage is falling apart. And I'm like, I don't got it. And I specifically remember laying in bed one night and being like, Jesus, I can't do this Hmm. and I need help. And it wasn't any more of a prayer at that point in time. But that was, I'm not going to get into, oh, is that when you gave your life to Christ? Is that when you recommitted it? But that's when it became a relationship with Christ. And so that's, so March uh, was three years for me of being a committed Christian. And that's kind of where I stepped in. And now my marriage continued to, to go in an unhealthy way. Oftentimes, Jesus will take you through a disciplined path to grow with him. But I did find through all of that, it was identified that my relationship with pornography and sex and my view of the women's body was very unhealthy. And so I was pointed through this whole time of trial towards 
recovery programs, whether it was the secular ones, Sex Addicts Anonymous, or Celebrate Recovery is a program that First Alliance Church offered. I wasn't a member of First Alliance. I just knew of this Celebrate Recovery. I looked it up, and it has been what I've walked along for the last three years in parallel with my Christian walk. So, yeah, that's... I hope I answered the question. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. I I want to take it back. What were some of the cracks that Mm, you started noticing in Hmm. in your relationship? That's interesting. My wife at the time's unsettledness and her, she stepped into recovery program that started to point out the codependency that her and I had in our relationship where we were placing the happiness that we felt on each other. And that was a burden neither of us was meant to carry. And she was able to, she was stepping out of it and she was coming to understand it. Now, her healing path is her healing path. But as she was on it, it really pointed out my unhealth, her unsettledness, her, my, uh, I'll say it, abuses of her emotionally, physically in ways. These are not things that I'm proud of, but unfortunately, when you don't listen to the knock on your heart long enough, it takes some pretty painful things happening before you, you're going to smarten up. And this is what it was. Uh, my realization that the value I put on my wife was for my own purposes and selfish means at the time, mm-hmm. not serving her. Wow. So I, I, you talk about the moment where you said, Jesus, I can't do this. What, what was that like the day after? Or just like, I just imagine that's not exactly an easy that's, that's a, requires a lot of work and a mm-hmm. lot of change. What was that like immediately after? So yeah. this is something that I actually struggled with in that it wasn't this aha, the birds sing sweeter, mm-hmm. the light is brighter the next day. Like the next day still felt just like the day before. My struggles were all still there and I didn't all of a sudden have solutions. But what I did have was direction hmm. to look towards. Yeah. And Maybe I didn't do it very, very well, but it's like I picked up old devotional books that had been collecting dust. You know, I picked up an old Bible that my grandparents who had invited me to church when I was six had given me at my high school graduation. Now I say it was an old Bible, but it was not a well-used Bible. Yeah. It was pretty much in the new packaging and just started that. It's like, well, where do I start? Well, at the beginning, you start with Genesis or you read a devotion. You just got to start somewhere and that's the direction I have. And from there... I'm not going to say that everything got better. I mean, I still ended up separated and on to divorce, which is the main relationship. But I still struggled for a few months with my porn addiction. Whatever that was be, I would go to not to Christ for comfort. I hadn't learned those lessons yet. And so it's been a continual uphill climb. And when I say uphill, yes, struggle, but also the views have been getting better. Hmm, um, as a hiker, I love that yeah, yeah. analogy. That is good. I would like to hear a little bit of backstory. I don't know if you've had time to like pinpoint where did the sexual addiction start? Mm -hmm. Talked about your views of women, you know, how that influenced how you interacted with your ex-wife. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. uh, Yeah. Where can you look back and reflect and see kind of when that started developing? Yeah. And it doesn't start with deviancy. It does in the fact that we're broken human beings in, in a way, but it started with curiosity. Mm. I was in grade five. I'm like, is this even a thing? And it turns out it was, wow. as, you know. And from there, I liked that feeling. And I just, it became your comfort. It became your crutch. You know, in Celebrate Recovery, the ministry I'm in, we call them hurts, habits, and hangups. And we don't want to say it's just for sex addicts or alcohol addicts, but sex addiction and uh, I'll say even comfort eating and right. people pleasing yeah. These are my crutches. These are the things that I've leaned on for comfort in stressful situations when the pain was too great. So then what are the other things that contribute to that? You're like, well, what you must need pain to need a crutch. It's like, yeah, bullying, Mm -hmm. right? That's a big thing. I was not the best athlete, but thought I should be. So did every other guy who was a uber competitive guy on the team. And so I felt that pressure and I felt that bullying. And then, so where did I go? I went to comfort eating. I went to the internet. The internet didn't fully exist at that time, but, you know, the magazines. Exposure was limited, but an imagination can run wild. Mm. And then what's another stressor? Wanting to be a good child. You know, I I sometimes I I joke, like, I've got a pretty vanilla story. My parents loved me. And it's like, well, what was your problem then? Well, they they loved me too much. They wanted too much for me. And they didn't, but that's how I interpreted it. So then I needed to perform. I needed to 
to be good at school. I needed to go to church and be good. So once that performance gets put into you and then the bullying, the people pleasing comes in with that, that paired and you just, you learn, okay, those are stresses. How do I deal with them? I go to my crutches as I hung out in sexual addiction. My view of women at a very formative time in my preteens into my teens was corrupted. Mm -hmm. I didn't focus on, let's say, that positive mentorship from men in my life who could show me the good values that I should be looking at in women. Instead, I saw what I went to frequently, mm -hmm. uh, which was the objectification. And lust uh, started to outweigh what love is. And I'm not talking love like, like man-woman love. I'm talking agape love, just loving a woman for being a woman, for being a person. There was definitely more selfish gains for that. Absolutely. As I, as I grew up, I could see that as motivating different uh, relational decisions, right? It's like, well, I just need experience, so I need to have a girlfriend. Twisted. Yeah. And, and broken but thinking. But I don't think uncommon. Not uncommon. I've never been uncommon. in a locker room, yeah. but I've heard stories. And Absolutely. Yeah. Like I've, I mean, I've been in female locker rooms, but yes. they're different. <laughs> <laughs> the American pie culture, mm -hmm. I call it, made for hero worship of the philanderer of the uh, sexist male. And that's what we all wanted to be, for anybody who's seen it, Stifler. The measure and the morals that that instilled in me, they carry through to this day. There are still things that I fight. I have a different definition of cool, but like, Brett, wow. that's not cool anymore. Right. Yeah. Right? Can I ask, it seems like addictions, whatever they are, aren't usually the actual problem. Hmm. When you're describing it, it sounds like it's an issue of you felt like you couldn't be loved for who you really were. Absolutely. So you were covering it up with your addiction, mm -hmm. XYZ. How did you deal with your identity? I don't know if you want to call it an identity crisis. I don't know if you would have acknowledged it as that, but that's what it sounds like to me is like you Absolutely. struggled with identity. So this is that wisdom that I talked about uh, that I didn't have. I had the knowledge of who Jesus Christ was, mm -hmm. but I didn't have the wisdom to know how much he made me who I am. Like, my purpose in life is serving him. When you start to, and this is what codependency is. All addicts have codependency, and it's a tough thing. I've tried to describe it and define it to people, but basically it's putting that weight of who you are onto people instead of onto God. And people can change, yeah. and, and situations can change, and Christ doesn't. God mm -hmm. is the unchanging God, and the Alpha and the Omega that's what Christianity gave me. That's what relationship with Jesus Christ gave me is rock solid foundation mm -hmm. to know that I had value, I am worth something, and it isn't on the fickleness that is the world coming and going. Whether it is losing a job, which I did, that didn't help. Whether it's having kids and kids just rebelling or kids not, things not going as planned. I don't know if you guys have ever noticed, but kids don't always follow your plan. <laughs> Right? Oh, we yep. have a parenting episode of all the things that go wrong that. with parenting. Oh. Maybe it would just be a silent hour where we can all take a nap. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, but you're right. To expand on that, what happens then when you put your identity against what other people say of you? Mm -hmm. In in essence, that's what codependency is. You start to take on the guilt. And then if you live in that guilt for long enough, that becomes shame. And shame becomes mm. an identity based on guilt. I'm not right. I'm not good. And then you do behaviors that you feel, and feel even more shameful about. Absolutely. Yeah. And you, you just can't get out of it because, well, if I'm already broken, I'm already broken. Right. I may as well do this. I'm not worth treating as pure. I'm not worth treating as good. And I see that even now. I mean, I'm three and a half years diving into Christianity, quiet time with God daily, twice a day, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. It's, that's not about the achievements. It's that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ and it's established. I still know when I'm struggling, when I don't have my quiet time, because sin and that sullying effect of it just doesn't seem to be as bad because I'm, I feel my worth is a bit lower. And that's when I have to watch out, oh. and that's when my guard is, it has to oh. go back up again. You know, if you think yeah. you're doing well, be careful that you do not fall. Right. Yeah. Right? Yep. And so you're right. It, it is an identity crisis, and I can say that now, looking back, I could not have said that then. Right? My mm. identity back then was based on a wife who loves me, kids who are going to be successful, a retirement plan for a successful job, like that typical American dream that you see on TV. Mm -hmm. well, well, guess what? Like at that time, I had lost a job, right? 
which boom, there goes one yeah. of the pillars of my Especially identity. Especially for going. guys. I Especially like, for yeah. guys. My daughter, I love her to death. Chokes me up. She was born with cerebral palsy. Mm. And that wasn't in my plan. That is not on her. That is not on me. That is not an identity related issue. But I made it one. That's hard to admit, I'm sure. It is very hard yeah. to admit because you can see how it could be construed differently. And that's how I did. I construed it in the wrong light that I was worth less because of that. And she's not worth less because of that. Like God made her to show his glory. I love being her dad for that reason. Mm -hmm. My son, Kale, Marin has cerebral palsy, which means her muscles are too tight. Kale ended up having ligament laxity, which means everything's too loose. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. Oh. <laughs> And nowadays I can give that up, but then I couldn't even admit it. I was in denial about it. And this is where, this is some of the cracks that you talked about earlier. Yes. Yeah. My wife, that was her job to deal with. Mine was to go to work, earn the bread. Hers was to deal with the kids and be at home. And that wasn't fair to her, but it wasn't fair to me either in that I wasn't allowing myself to live in the full richness that is partnership. Hmm. But that's what I yeah. stole from her as well at the time. So identity crisis, absolutely. Yeah. But And you can see where people can put their identities in the wrong things, yeah. things that they think are sure. But once the legs get knocked out, so it's like, boom, job is gone. My kids didn't turn out as like two NHL quality, yeah. you know, hockey players yeah. or whatever you want to say your goal is for them. And I ended up losing my marriage. It's like, boom, those are the three pillars that I had based myself on. Yeah. And I mean, those in the podcast can't see it, but I'm bald and slightly overweight and short. So it's not like I had Fabio type looks to go on. And that's self-depreciating humor. At the same time, I can say that now knowing it comes from a healthy place. I love myself as yeah. I am. Yeah. At a time though, I would have made that joke from a different... Looking uh, for affirmation. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think it's... I know we're not done your story, but I think it's very, very common I have a lot of friends myself I'm sure you do too Corey that's just like you can see their identity is in stuff or whatever because they're looking for the next best thing maybe mm -hmm. they don't have addictions to sex or drugs or alcohol or whatever but they're addicted to the feeling of success or mm -hmm. whatever and you can see that and it's all comes back to where do you get your worth absolutely and, well, so. I, and I find like when we're faced with brokenness I think that's where often people don't know how to process the yeah. brokenness and that leads to the addictions mm -hmm. to help with the pain and trauma that we're facing because I, like like you, like my son was born and he had a 12-hour surgery the day after he was born. And, you know, like a, a life that you're like, could see how easy that could spiral out of control. I'm, right? I'm sure <laughs> you had an unhealthy thought at some time in that time. Right. It probably looked a lot mm -hmm. like pity. <laughs> Right? Yeah. At yeah. the same time, when you have that rock solid foundation, Corey, you were able to, to pause and you had weapons to battle that unhealthy thinking. Yeah. And I think that's the difference is, is that I'm willing to walk into the battle. Uh, one of the cliches that I've heard is the only way through pain is through pain. It's through pain. Yeah. That's good. I mean, it's so simple, but it's good. So simple. Yep. Right? And that's what a lot of addict type behaviors is the avoidance of uncomfort and pain mm -hmm. and the negative feelings but without that negative feelings and being able to allow yourself to open it you can't selectively shut off emotions mm. so you don't get to feel the best richest part of life as well right. and you don't get to grow through the pain and become something more that can continue to share that pain with other people to comfort them to walk alongside them like yeah. this is what we're calling relationships well guess what relationships is a big part of the reason we're here on earth and yeah. when you're when you're going through an addiction or addiction like behaviors a comfort eating shopaholism workaholism anorexia anything where you're finding value by not being in relationships too much relationships codependency it's tough to define them all because yeah. we're broken human beings we find a lot of ways to get broken name your broken name your broken yeah, we all have something to come back to that thought and buy myself some time because i forgot that thought <laughs> <laughs> when you avoid that pain mm -hmm. and live in that pity or selfishness that's called denial mm -hmm. and you're not looking for better and healthier ways to do it but what Corey commented on and the foundation he had at a time where he went through immense stress he had already developed a set of tools and that's what i've developed in the last three and a half years that's really good right yeah 
yeah, I think we're prone to numbing out in a way. Mm -hmm. And I see that a lot with a lot of people that I know in my own life. We've all gone through stuff, right? We all have stuff. And I know when we were in our time of like greatest grief, the relationships that came out of that with our friends that were believers, they're so much richer and deeper. Whereas our friends that weren't, they didn't even text us because they don't know how to it's not that they it. don't love you. No, they just don't know what to do with it. And we aren't comfortable in uncomfort yeah. and awkwardness. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm very with you. Yeah. I would say that in recovery and in my Christian walk and living an authentic life. Okay, so let's get rid of the stigma of recovery here before I get too far on. I didn't want the label of being an addict. Mm. Now I'm okay with it. It's just a label. It's like, well, what is recovery? Well, you have to be an addict to be in recovery. I'm like, no, you know what recovery is? I'm recovering from a life of not living open and authentic relationships. And now I get a set of training tools. I get a set of people, a community around me who help me to live an authentic life. Okay. So in living an authentic life, this is like when Jesus talks in John 10, 10, the, the devil, the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy, right? Like that's addiction. That's my life before Jesus Christ. And there's still times within this life that that stuff can rear its head. But Jesus comes to give life in all fullness. This authenticity is the key to that all fullness. We had a sermon this weekend from Pastor Kyle, and he talked about what holiness is as a person and and really pointed us to Jesus Christ as being the provider of that, the purifier of us. And the way to access that was authenticity with him in prayer and just being like, I don't get it, Jesus I don't get it. Why this? Why that? And then stopping and listening, Hmm. right? Or Jesus, I'm really angry and I'm not happy with you right now. He's got big shoulders. He can take that stuff. But those are the prayers that change my life. Not thank you, Jesus, for my food. And thank you for good friends. It's like, those are good things. But if that's where we're going to stop, you're going to end up with a shallow relationship and not get to rock solid foundation. Yeah. That's right. Those are the conversations you have with your aunt who you haven't seen all year versus Absolutely. the person you walk beside every day, right? Uh, I, I live yeah. in a world, uh, like I say, oil and gas professional, engineer. I talk to sales guys all the time. I also am an outgoing person. Uh, and so I like to meet people where they are in conversation. But I have a ton of shallow conversations and you just get tired. Like, oh, what vacation were you on? How's the weather? Right. What's this winter looking like? What's the next vacation? How are the kids? Like, and then you're done. <laughs> and there's more to life than that. Yeah. And you have to just find those places. I'm not saying that you have to live that with everybody, but it is nice to find that community of people and Jesus Christ who you can live fully open with. Mm-hmm. You can't be fully loved until you're fully known. That's good too. Write that down, guys. That's good. Yeah. And that's part of the recovery 12-step process. I put a little emphasis on that because I just get a little bit tired of people being scared of stepping into it because of the labels. But what it gave me is a friend who the program would call a sponsor. I would call just my best friend. Mm -hmm. And he's in his 60s. And I've shared everything that I've ever done in life, proud or not, with him. Well, once I was able to be fully known by that guy and still accepted, like, do you know how much that changed my view of who I was in life? And, And how that man exemplified Jesus Christ to me? Yeah, I was going to ask, is that hard to, was that hard to accept at first? It still is. Yeah. It still can be. Trying to think of, oh, there's a song and I can't think of who sings it, but it's called Flawless. Uh, Mercy Me, I think is who sings it. And we were watching the video to it and they're singing and there's people coming up on the screen and one lady was born without an arm and another lady was born with Down syndrome. My boy had autism. A guy struggled with control issues. Another guy felt he wasn't a good father. And yet at the end of it, you know, Jesus Christ, with his death on the cross, uh, spilling his blood for us, paid the price for us. And and in his resurrection brought us new life and made us flawless in spirit, Mm -hmm. right? Even if we struggle in the flesh. I was like, that's amazing. I can believe that for this guy and I can believe that for everybody in the room, but me. Yeah. Mm. And when I shared that, and I did in Celebrate Recovery, we have, it's part of it is as a group share of just men for men and just women for women. When I shared that in big group, I saw a lot of nodding heads. And this is just what we struggle with at times is we're our own harshest critic. We're our own biggest abuser, right? In, mentally, mm-hmm. right? 
And so it can still be tough to accept that identity in Christ and that I'm fully paid for, that I'm flawless, that he loves me just for being me. I have a recipe cards. I'm a big write it out type guy. And it's written in Sharpie and I haven't put it up on the wall yet. It's, it's kind of a graduated process that if a card is meaningful enough to me that it needs to be reminded, it goes up on the wall so I can see it all the time. Still on the desk. I think it's about to go up on the wall. <laughs> Today, do it. Today <laughs> is I don't have to be winning the race for him to be proud of me. Mm. As like, as long as I'm in the race, he's right. proud of me. Right. And that's one of the tools that yeah. I talk about is these good affirming truths from the Bible yeah. or that align with the Bible. I love that. I think I've shared this with Corey many times. Maybe I've already said it here, but something God's been teaching me is like Peter getting out of the boat. Nobody ever talks about the disciples that just sat there in the boat. He got out. I just read that and, on devotions this morning. Whoa, crazy. But <laughs> but then in, you know, in Matthew 16, 18, he's like, says to Peter on this rock, I'll build my church. Yeah. So he's like this guy who everybody's like, oh, he fell in. He took his eyes off Jesus. It's like, yeah, but he got out. Oh, he man. got out. I could take that on a whole side rabbit hole about my fear of failure mm -hmm. and how that limits my service to Christ. Well, we'll have to have you back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, man, I love Episode talking. Episode one, right? <laughs> or part I, one. Okay. Uh, I wanted to bring it back to a mm -hmm. moment and just thinking about people who are listening, who are been living through addiction, and what what was it to take that first step? Like, how can you can you encourage someone on mm -hmm. on what that was like for you to finally sign up for something like celebrate recovery or or seek help uh in in dealing with with life and addiction and the difficulties that you were facing absolutely at the time i wouldn't have called it brave and yet i can say to every face that i see walk into a room now their first time how brave they are good word yeah. right yeah courage and bravery isn't not being scared it's just doing it despite being scared I also felt that I didn't belong here. Like, I had wrong motives when I started recovery. I was trying to fix a marriage. Okay. Right? I was doing it. Is that out a wrong motive? Like, to fix a marriage? Was it because so, you wanted... I'm wondering, is mm -hmm. it because it, it had to do with your identity? It, it, there was definitely some of the identity. It was more like I was doing it to check boxes instead okay. of for the pure motive of becoming healthier myself. Okay. That's fair. Good yeah. distinction. Do you know what yeah. I mean? You can do different things it's the underlying motive that determines what the outcome of the do is right so mm. i was here because i was trying to fix not support my wife in this difficult walk we were in i was trying to fix i was like fine i'll check off my boxes you go check off your boxes i was still compartmentalized okay. like i talked yeah. about before and i was like i don't believe i'm in this room full of addicts I, like mm. i had that thought yeah. multiple times yeah. and so yeah if you're getting the little nudges, like, don't make God kick any harder. Because I'll tell you right now, going through a divorce is the hardest thing I ever did. And I have a lot of regrets there. I'm not going to take shame on that, but I have guilt for what I did in my marriage. But don't make God knock any louder. Hmm. And don't let your pride, pride is what kept me out of those rooms, or it kept me thinking those things. Don't let your pride stand in the way of coming into a room full of people who are just going to accept you for you. Like, so and they are going to love you just as you are broken. I came into those rooms. I said a lot of wrong, broken things in the open chairs and nobody corrected me. They just let me walk through it as I was walking through it. And mm -hmm. I just realized like how healing it can be just to be there for a person. That's what anybody who is living recovery wants to do for anybody who's stepping into recovery. I, w I would like to jump on that because... Yeah not everyone is going to go in the room per se. Like mm -hmm. how could someone mm -hmm. as maybe a family member or like a spouse who has someone else dealing with addiction, uh, support them. Cause I, I hear you even just sharing, like just being able to, to talk and have someone listen. Yep. I mean, this whole podcast is yeah. about listening. Yeah. <laughs> so, and not everyone will venture into a room like that. So, on a larger scale, like what are some tools for, for people to engage with people who are kind of working through addiction mm -hmm. or would you have anything to, to say to those people? Absolutely. I live a lot of my life by rule three of big group share is we're here to support one another, not fix one another. Okay. Now, when somebody else brings a problem to me, I'm just sitting there just to listen to them and accept them for being them at that time. 
it took a long time for whoever this was to get into the unhealth that they're living in. They're not going to come out of it with one magic sentence from you. And it took them a lot of bravery and courage to be able to come to you and say, I've got this problem or I'm struggling with this thing. As soon as you try to fix them, you're telling them that they're broken and that you don't accept them as they are. Oh, interesting. And if you can just let a person talk and just listen and comfort. In Corinthians, yes, I've got a good memory, but I can't remember every verse in the Bible. What? Yeah, I think it's in 1 Corinthians where Paul is talking about, you have been comforted, so comfort others. Hmm. I might have that wrong. Some of you are yelling at your radio right now. It's Second Corinthians, whatever. I don't care. It's in the Bible. It's, it's in, in the, the Bible. Bible. I think we can. It's all truth. Agree. And it's good. It's good. <laughs> it's it is good. good. Yeah. So as you've been comforted, comfort others. And so if you are in a place of health and you know somebody who is in unhealth, just be there for them. I I read some Oswald Chambers, and he talks about how our job as Christians is to be emptied for Christ. And people are going to come to you who don't know how to go to Christ to be filled, and they're going to come to you and drain you, but you know where to go to get filled. Mm. And in the meantime, this is a little bit of that stand in the gap. That's a little bit how we can serve our community is to spend some quiet time with Christ, fill yourself up, solidify your identity. So what this person is saying to you is just their issue and you're not taking it on yourself and you're just able to be there as a light of the world. This is the call to the broken, like the widows, the orphaned, the sick, the broken. Part of that ministry is just to be full so that you have it to give to somebody else. Yeah. And I used a lot of church cliches there, but in practicality it is, come to Christ so you are so solid in your identity of him and have enough confidence that somebody else could come. Say it's your child. Yeah. I'm going to go right to the heart there. Yeah. Say it's your child coming to you and saying, I'm broken. I have an abuse problem. You are so strong in your identity that you don't take that on as your problem. You're just able to say, I love you. I love you, kiddo. Yeah. Yeah. My mom, this might bring me to tears. Yeah. When I first came to this realization that I had a sexual addiction and that I had been abusing my wife in certain ways, one of the things that had to happen was I had to tell my parents. And I called them and I told them, <laughs> sorry guys, <clears throat> I love crying. It's, it's, <laughs> it's healing. My parents are just like, we're here for you and we love you. And there was no judgment in that. Wow. And in that then, they were able to be there beside me in my entire healing walk, mm-hmm. providing little pieces of health. That's huge. Wow. You, like, you like that? I love yeah, that. I love That's that. so <laughs> huge. I think... It's interesting, too, because what you were saying about how you, it sounds like they didn't put it on you as a child that you uh, had to be this perfect kid, but you put it on yourself. Absolutely. But it's interesting because in that moment, it's like that was all debunked. Like, (laughs) they're like, hey, we don't care. We love you. Oh, so much so, right? The Lord wrapped me in so many healthy relationships that I actually have troubles finding the bad examples. But there are definitely people who I distance myself from because my brokenness was something they needed to fix. I couldn't have put a finger on it, but that repulsed me. Hmm. Like I, I didn't want to go hang out with that person. Yeah. So if you want to love somebody who's going through problems, like what is love? It's patient. It's kind. It's gentle, yeah. right? Yeah. It's not self-serving. Corinthians again, there we go. These are the ways that you support another person. Did you have anyone say it's not a big deal? Yeah. Maybe not in the directest of sense, but people who just wanted to brush it over because maybe they're living with it. I was going to say, especially like pornography, I feel like it's very normalized. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering if, if you're, any of your unchristian friends would have been like, okay, like whatever. Yep. Who cares? We all do it. Absolutely. That's a big part of it. One of the more frequent responses I got, and I'm not a fan of this in society, but is the whole, oh, you do you, man. That's your reality. And that gives them a way, quote unquote, I'm air quotes here, support Support. you without admitting that what they're doing is wrong. Right. And so I got a lot of you do you, like that's your journey, which was nice. It allowed me to stay in relationship or communication with them and still continue to show them my walk and my journey. But it did allow them to kind of stay within their lines of I'm okay. 
Right. You do you. Like, at first it almost sounds nice, but then when you really think about it, it's almost like, I'm not really interested. Right, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, you do you. I'll do me. You do you. And let's never talk about this again. (laughs) And it's minimizing kind of. like it's Yeah, it minimizes it for sure. It's sort of just saying, I don't really care why you have a problem. And I also don't care to know how you're going to go about fixing it or whatever Mm -hmm. would be part of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It sounds so nice, but actually it's so mean <laughs> it, or just not mean maybe but just yeah minimizes it. it it really can and it can be a stopgap it can be a stonewall I will give credit to some of these people like I mean Christian non-Christian Jesus healed everyone and Jesus loved everyone and that's my goal as well is to kind of just be there and be present and available to everybody and so I don't want to alienate any of my good friends who actually were there mm-hmm. who aren't Christians and when they're like man you got to do you but how are you doing? And there are still yeah. ways of them connecting. And yeah, some of the most meaningful and helpful people that God put in my life aren't Christians. Yeah. Right? Yep. That's huge to mention that. Um, mm-hmm. Can I ask a question just practically? Boundaries. What kind of boundaries have you had to put into your life? Because it's not like it's not like pornography is hard to find. Mm-mm. Like you click one photo on Instagram and everything in your feed is going to be that. And it's even worse on TikTok. So how do you practically avoid it Mm. that's interesting boundaries podcast part three um (laughs) (laughs) we have four new episodes after this (laughs) yeah absolutely boundaries when it comes to my addiction in sex addicts anonymous they used an amazing analogy that i continue to use to this day now i don't go to sex addicts anonymous but that doesn't mean that it isn't a great group of guys who have a great set of tools and one of them is inner circle middle circle outer circle I think I've heard of that. Yeah, bullseye type type mm. look. Okay. Inner circle is the easiest to define. It is what does your acting out look like? What does your unhealth look like? Going to pornography or whatever your problem is, you know, just for some people, it could be scrolling Instagram. Mm-hmm. I, I spend way too many hours scrolling Instagram. Whatever you get to define it. You do you. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But you know what your unhealth yeah. looks like, especially as a Christian, if you have time to pray the Holy Spirit will convict you as to what you're in a circle, like what your unhealth looks like. Okay, mm-hmm. middle circle. These are your slippery slopes. If I allow myself to go in that situation, I'm not acting out, but I'm on my way to it or an entry level. So for me, say, pornography, swimsuit edition magazines, or, oh, here's a good one, real life experience. I love watching movies and going on IMDb and just being like, what actor was this in? What movie was this in? What? You know, and following that rabbit trail and then getting stuck on looking up the good looking girls and then looking at their pictures, even though they're fully clothed, you realize, oh, I'm viewing them in an unhealthy manner. Mm -hmm. Slippery slope. Yeah. And then there's your outer circle, which actually isn't a circle. It has no bounds at all. It's all of the fullness and richness of life. It's everything that's good. My kiddos, uh, hiking, jujitsu, my authentic friendships, especially Christian friendships. These are all the healthy things. So if you're out in the outer circle, you're not as tempted to be in the middle circle or on your way to the inner circle. So I did find that it helped for me as an engineer who likes structure to have definitions of this is an inner circle, this is a middle circle type activity, and then this is what is a healthy activity especially early on when I didn't have that framework. So then what other boundaries, physical boundaries, do I put on? There was definitely a time in my life where I had to limit, like, what I watched on, like, garbage in, garbage out type stuff. So what I watched on TV to the point where I don't necessarily restrict it, but I don't have a desire for those same things anymore. That's cool. Right? Yeah. Or, yeah, what what you clickbait on, and maybe you don't, need as much time on the internet as you think you do. When Jesus comments about casting out an evil spirit and how that evil spirit goes around, gathers seven friends and comes back. Yeah. Guess what? He can't come back if that space is full of good. Hmm. So quiet Bible time, journaling, authentic time with friends, just living and talking about the deep things in life, hanging out with my kids and just loving them for them purposefully watching TV, but choosing what I watch and knowing that it is time of rest and recreation. These are the things that help fill your mind so that that evil spirit, when it comes knocking, can't even get a foot in the door. It's just the party's full, bud. Sorry. I like that. 
So much good stuff here. There is, yeah. <laughs> really appreciate it. Uh, what would you say for someone who maybe doesn't think pornography or sexual addiction is a problem mm. uh, and who knows it is, but doesn't know where to start? Absolutely. That's where a lot of like justification and minimization can come in. You look at it and you're like, well, I'm not hurting anybody. Nobody knows. Now, that's also saying that you're nobody. Ooh. Mm. Interesting. interesting. <laughs> that is interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's good. And you're not nobody. You're somebody and you know. Yeah. Okay. I can take that further. Jesus Christ knows. God knows. He knows the depths of our hearts, even what we don't know about ourselves. And in relationship with him, we're supposed to desire holiness. And how we get holiness isn't by doing it ourselves, is by having more of him in it. But if we keep closets and doors locked and you're like, that's a no Jesus zone, mm -hmm. then you can't find that depth and that holiness and that purity where richness and a brighter light can shine. So yes, Jesus and God knows. And, and Pastor Kyle Trigg did an amazing sermon on holiness this past weekend. He had a great analogy, metaphor, demonstration of food dyed colored water in a glass. And when he poured clear water from a pitcher, the dyed glass is my soul and the clear water is Jesus Christ's holiness, how it fully displaces it. And you have to be able to open yourself and let that happen. So also, if you're looking at pornography, well, there's people who have to act in these things. And you can say, well, they would act in it anyways. I'm like, you can't fix the world. You can only fix how you interact with the world. And if every person chose to not look at pornography, that wouldn't be one of the outlets for that person who's on the screen's unhealth. And so yeah. you can't minimize that and say, well, they'd be doing it anyways. You're right, they might, but you're still contributing to them you're doing it. it. Yeah. yeah, right. that's right. So, and the other thing is when you live in any addiction, and I'll talk about pornography because that was part of mine. You're like, I'm not hurting anybody. No, you are. Because you're going to that instead of authentic relationship to live with people. So all of a sudden you're putting walls up defensiveness and you aren't as relatable and you aren't as emotionally available right so if you think that i didn't hurt my kiddos at that time hmm. you're mistaken i was hurting them if you think that my marriage didn't end because i was shutting myself off with a computer instead of going to my wife in open honest relationship you're mistaken wow. so i hurt many 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 people it isn't a sin that it doesn't hurt anybody it starts with you and it radiates outwards. Wow. That's really good. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. I try not to pull punches as we talk. Like, this is the authentic living. I'm yeah. not going to. Now, I'm going to try to use tact, but I do like to just be frank. I appreciate that, especially. Frank's good. Frank's good. I think good. Frank is good. And I also think sometimes we need to hear it, mm -hmm. right? And yeah, so. I find that sometimes it's like you need. A lot of us walk with blinders, right? And you need someone to pull back the blinders and open up your eyes to a world that's... And just to see the brokenness, right? And also to show you that there's more to life. There's hope. Absolutely, there's hope. And right? to hold you accountable. Mm -hmm. Like Iron Sharpening yeah. Iron. I had a girlfriend tell me one time, because I said, oh, I only have time to read like one verse from my Bible every couple days. And she was like, "Really? do you really though? Because you, you, you seem <laughs> to have time for other things. And I was, we didn't know each other very well. And I was like, oh, that's so rude. <laughs> but I went home and I was like, she's right. Oh. And man, that moment changed my life. Appreciate and it was that. brutal, but it was also like, oof. So sometimes we need to hear it. So Are, if you're listening, you do have time. You do have time. <laughs> this is what society that you do, you think. Let's go circle back to that. Like society says that to love somebody is to accept them as they are. And I'm like, Christianity doesn't say that. Like Christianity says that we're all have sin in us, brokenness, darkness, and that it's in each of us to be the light of the world, to help shine that darkness and that sin out of other people. And sometimes that comes with tough love. Go read Paul's letters. Yeah. So, but you were saying, so accepting them like your parents did, with sure. you accepting them, but then also not just being Accepting their behaviors, accept the sin in not them. Not accepting their behaviors, but accepting them as people. This is that identity type thing where a lot of society says that what you do is who you are. Mm -hmm. And that's where an authentic relational walk with Christ says, no, I, so I'll, I'll share this. In Celebrate Recovery, we start our shares with, my name is Brett. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. So I am. I struggle with sex addiction. I'm not, I don't identify as the sex addiction struggle, but I am right. Jesus Christ friend. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so society struggles with that in that, you know, I am a liberal. I am a conservative. 
right. Democrat, yeah. Republican. I am, yeah. you know, man or I am woman or I am in between. Like, that's not how God sees you. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, I think it's Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. But somebody quoted this to me once where they said the mom walked in and her kid had made a big mess. And the mom said, you're such a mess. And the kid says, I'm not a mess. I made a mess. Mm. And I was like, oof, that's good. I think it's, we're so prone to wearing those labels, but kids get it. We can get it too. Yeah. So Humility check. Three-year-old mm-hmm. teaches right. you a life lesson. Oh, <laughs> totally. Happens. totally. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah. Brett, that was an amazing story. Thank you for sharing your story. I know it's yeah. probably... You said you've done it a lot, but I I appreciate your vulnerability and you being mm-hmm. willing to talk about it. And I'm confident that lots of people are going to relate to different parts of your story. And so thank you for sharing it. Absolutely. I mean, that was my prayer the whole day is just that God would use me to tell his story about me, that it might touch, even if it's just one person. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes, especially as an addict, we have illusions of grandeur. We use all and none way more than the rest of the world all the time (laughs) (laughs) or none of the time or none of the time yeah Yeah. Yeah. so it's like oh god i want you to change the world with this he's like i am but maybe it's just one person one person's and maybe that person's you Mm -hmm. and that's okay i can tell you you've impacted me so at least one person we'll we'll throw two people okay there you go yeah um, winning yeah yeah, so thank you yeah thanks uh but is there anything that you would like to say that you haven't there may last be words. Yeah, you betcha. <laughs> Any there last words? Yeah, <laughs> last well, words. yeah. That sounds a little know. grim. Okay. <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts? <laughs> there Absolutely. You go. Stepping into admitting that you have a problem is incredibly difficult, but the best things in life come after the hardest efforts and the hardest battles. And so what I have now, three and a half years into this, is the best friendships I've ever had. People who I had as friends beforehand, they've gotten immensely deeper. Or I'm a better brother to my sister or son to my mother and father. But I also, the friends that I've made who are committed to living an authentic life with me are my best friends now. And that's a richness of life that I never knew before. I went golfing the other weekend. I did not do well. Um, (laughs) But I also said that was the best round of golf I've ever done because it was brothers who all... Yes, they were all um, in addiction recovery with me, but we didn't necessarily talk about that, but we just lived an authentic life and could be our freest and fullest selves together. And that was worth it. That was joy and happiness together. So it's worth taking that first step and it's worth getting out of that mud and mire. And, you know, I, I read John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, the bog of despond we can all be there, but you just keep going through it and eventually you'll get to the other side and there's somebody who's going to be there to help you up and out of it. And that person, you'd be surprised how often they become your best friend because they will know you like nobody else knows you. Mm. Thank you so much for being here today, Brett. Really appreciate you sharing your story and it was really inspiring and impactful for me and I know Corey, so... Apparently, we have a few more episodes <laughs> coming yeah, down the pipe. Chalk right. them up. Stay tuned. Right? Stay tuned. But yeah, but yeah thank thanks you. again. You betcha, guys. It's, like I say, been my joy. Sharing my story is what Christ called me to. So I just pray that he's opening ears to hear and hearts to receive the message that he has for them specifically through this. So thanks again, guys. It's been a joy. Thank you. Thanks. Wow, that was uh, a great episode. There was so there was so much. So I feel many like things. Yeah. So many things. I know. I'm definitely gonna have to to re-listen to uh, again. Uh, one thing that stuck out to me uh, was kind of this bullseye analogy, and you know, even after you're thinking through it, it's I don't know. It, it resonated with me mm-hmm. just thinking about all the good things in life uh, to spend time doing, and how uh, addictions can really kind of centralize our, our focus on the addiction like that's the addiction gets all the attention yeah that's all there is that's all there is yeah. and there's there's so much more to life yeah uh, than the addiction and so I think just having a perspective of being able to get if it is getting help uh, to get out of that addiction so that you can focus more on the things of, of life that are enjoyable and uh, life-giving, family, healthy activity. Yeah, I just, it was just a really yeah. great analogy, I think uh, for me thing, at least. <laughs> yeah, and right before we hit record on this, one thing, Corey, you said was it was like a funnel, which yeah. for me that makes a lot of sense because on the outside there's so much more space and it's all out in the open. 
So yeah. if you picture all the good things in life, like Corey, you were saying, all the good things are out in the open and there's no secrets. And so you can have life to the full. But the more you go down the funnel of addiction, the, the more secrets there are, the more difficult it becomes to enjoy anything in life. And I mean, a lot of us have heard the like slippery slope. Right. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's kind of, I think this, the funnel like kind of gives that image of the slippery slope into yeah. a pit, right? Yeah. And I think we can all probably relate in some way or another. Like I don't personally struggle with addiction, but I know there are certain things, keeping secrets. I don't do that a lot, but there's times when you you can tell, right? Where you're like, oh, I don't think I'm going to tell that person about this. And then it, one thing leads to another and it's like, oh, here we are. Here we are. So yeah. I, I know one thing I've heard before, no secrets, no worries. And I think that's, that's a lot of, uh, that applies to addiction and just like normal, normative living, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. I think getting out of addiction, I, the funnel idea is really interesting to think about because I think with addiction, like you feel like you're in a pit and you can't get out. Right. It's a big climb out. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it is a lot of work. And so that's for people who are dealing with addiction, getting out of that pit. want to say like for those that have climbed out, good work. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. And for those that yeah. are in there, that there is hope to get out of the pit. You don't have yeah. to stay there. I love that visual too. I really resonate with that because I think that people who are in the pit of addiction, it can be really overwhelming when they realize they need to change their lives. You've heard it, rock bottom, right? Yeah, um, There's true. so yeah. many hill visuals here with addiction, but when somebody's at rock bottom, can you imagine how overwhelming it is to sort of be looking at where you want to go? And you can see why the cycle of addiction continues because it's easier to just continue with your yeah. addiction than to climb out. And I think there's also a responsibility as if, if you don't struggle with addiction, especially as Christians, to be reaching down. Not to say that we're better or higher, but uh, if, if you yeah. don't struggle with addiction, you have a responsibility to help those who do. And how much easier is it to climb out of a pit if someone's reaching down their hand to help you, right? And to walk with you. So that was really impactful. And I also loved uh, how he talked about how it started from a place of identity or, or lack thereof, I guess. Like his identity being rooted in superficial things. That's true of a lot of people, including me, I would say. Like we all root ourselves. Sometimes we feel good when we do certain things or we have certain behaviors or, or something like that. And it just really reiterates the thought that we need to be rooted in Jesus. Yeah, it was uh, a wonderful episode. And definitely, like I said, I feel like it's worth it to, uh, to listen again. And there's lots to take out of it. Yeah, so. and we're not just saying that because we want high listen counts. <laughs> no, this is like... <laughs> Legit. It's a good one. Yeah. And yeah. Like you don't even have to be dealing with addiction mm-hmm. to to get something out of it to put into practice in your life. So yeah. thanks, Brett, for sharing and being vulnerable with us today. Thank you so much, Brett. Yeah, for being here and just for being honest and vulnerable. I know that's not easy. So if you would like to share your story, you're welcome to do that. You can check out how to do that by the, reading the show notes, uh, wherever you're listening to this. And thank you to our producer, Ryan, who is, believe me, doing a lot of edits to make us sound good. So we really appreciate him. Yes, thank you, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Bye.